Rockefeller for her current role. Uh, she spent about nine years uh, in New York City in various capacities associated with public works and transportation, uh, eight years with Southeastern Pennsylvania Transportation Authority, uh, SEPTA, in Philadelphia. Uh, the last position she had uh, there was Chief Subway Light Rail Operations Officer, uh, also four years with, uh, uh, with San Francisco Municipal Railway. Uh, uh, she was Chief Operating Officer and then Deputy Executive Director. And then since being with CSX, uh, Lisa served as Director of Special Projects and Vice President uh, Labor Relations. Uh, Lisa has a uh, undergraduate degree in uh, mathematics from uh, uh, University of Virginia and a uh, master's in city and regional planning from Harvard University. Please join me in welcoming Lisa Mancini. Now, I have all those degrees, but I can't figure out how to get out of this presentation <laughs> into mine, so we're going to see. There we go. And uh, Fred could have left the number of years out of that presentation. <laughs> Hopefully nobody could add that quickly. But let's see. Okay. My comments are going to be about really freight railroads in general. And um, at CSX, we like to say that if it's in your life, it's on your trains. Gene Skorpowski and uh, Pat Simmons talked a lot about passenger rail, and pa Pat Simmons said passenger rail is what gives them sex appeal. Well, that makes freight railroads feel a little bit bad, and at freight railroads, we like to say that we haul what's essential. Um, freight railroads last in uh, 2005 hauled enough wheat to make 400 loaves of bread for every man, woman, and child in America, corn to feed 27 million dairy cows, Coal to provide half the nation's electricity, newsprint for half our newspapers, and lumber to build more than a million homes. This map shows the CSX network. Our 34,000 employees uh, run over 1,200 trains every day. And I want to highlight a couple parts of this map um, that aren't that evident. So, first, that we serve 70 ocean, lake, and river ports, and I'll talk later about our service to the mid-Atlantic ports in particular. And we have one of the strengths of our network is that we have a very good route going from the Midwest, Chicago area, southeast on what we call our southeast corridor into Florida. Florida, you heard earlier, will be the third most populous state soon, and uh, we have often heard at CSX that by 2020, I believe that the state of states of Florida and Georgia will exceed the population of New York and New Jersey. As a former New Yorker, it's a little bit scary, but um, we believe that as at CSX, we can benefit greatly from that population growth in Florida. Transportation demand is on the rise. Rising population drives increases in consumption, and there are changes. All of us know about the changes in the global market and global supply chains that are changing transportation demand, particularly freight transportation demand. We've heard a lot about congestion. It's the picture of the interstate system today, lots of gridlock, particularly in the eastern half of the country. And this picture shows the system 
in 2030 and the CSX territory, much of which without new, without a lot of changes, without investments, will be in gridlock by 2020. Rail makes sense for moving freight. We know that highways, if you go in this conference, you're going to see most of the highway rooms are a lot more filled than the railroad rooms. And highways will always be an important part of our transportation network. But highways, I don't need to tell the people in this room that highways are experiencing pressure. The increasing cost of investment in construction and maintenance, rising fuel costs, aging infrastructure, railroads really can play a role. And if you look at these bar charts, the increase in the cost of rail has been much slower than the increase in the cost of trucking. And these are 2006 numbers, so before the price of fuel doubled. Investment required by 2035, freight railroad investment based on the 2007 DOT commission study requires $135 billion in investment. We believe that the rail industry, through our own private investments, can cover much of that, $96 billion of the $135 billion. Commuter rail was also studied in that, passenger rail, not just commuter rail, and $198 billion in investment required for passenger rail. These sound like big numbers, and the country is grappling with how to fund these numbers, but really they're nothing in comparison to the $5 trillion required for highways. And this chart can only go so far due to the limits of the size of the screen. This is not to scale. The highway investment would be far above the ceiling if you did it to scale. One reason that we talk about investing in rail, not only because of congestion and fuel costs, but rail is environmentally friendly. Rail is the safest, most environmentally friendly form of ground transportation by far. We're three times more fuel efficient than trucking. And I don't know if you've seen our commercials, but our commercials show that a train can move a ton of freight 423 miles on a single gallon of fuel. Every day that number is a little bit more incorrect because every day our trains get more fuel efficient, partly because of the technology that we're putting in so that our train engineers can run those trains in as fuel efficient a way as possible. So the technology is showing them how to brake and how to accelerate to use the least amount of fuel. So that number will go up and up. And one train can carry the load of 280 to 300 trucks. One of the things that is driving the increase in freight demand is the global economy, and we believe that the East Coast ports will see much more of this increase than other places. West Coast ports are constrained both by the congestion there and also by policies, by environmental policies and other policies put on by the state of California. With the congestion at West Coast ports, the growth in the expansion of the Panama Canal, and growth in Suez Canal trade, the East Coast ports will see great increases in demand. CSX and our competitor, Norfolk Southern, are both uniquely positioned and well positioned to serve those ports. But we need to have a double stack network, which I'll talk about later in my presentation. And Kevin, the Heartland Corridor really provides that double stack network to the Port of Virginia, Port of Virginia into the Midwest. 
We are committed to infrastructure investment. We spent a record $1.7 billion last year. We'll spend another $5 billion between now and 2010. But working together, we can achieve more. And it's unusual to see highway advocates talking about needs to invest in rail, but here I have a quote from an AASHTO report saying that small investments in the railroads can be leveraged into large benefits for the nation's highway infrastructure, highway users, and freight shippers. So we're starting to see an acknowledgment by policymakers, by highway advocates about the importance of the need to invest in railroads. And I'm going to play a clip of some policymakers talking about investments, if I can figure this out. So investment in our basic infrastructure, in, in the basic infrastructure, in health care, in education, things of that nature, making our schools better, all of that kind of investment is going to be very, very helpful. From WDTN, Dayton's NBC, this is Two News First. I think it's important that, the, uh, that everyone understands the importance of strong infrastructure and a public transportation system in terms of the quality of life and encouraging economic de development and reducing the use of gasoline. I'd like to see a little more investment in infrastructure in the country because there's, um, there's a, a deficit, a debt in what we've spent on highways and, and uh, what we've spent on schools and other things. That would be another way to stimulate the economy. Live in the CNN newsroom. Infrastructure. Now's the time for us to reinvest in rebuilding our roads and our bridges, our, our, our schools. If we start a major construction and infrastructure program all across the country, that can put people to, back to work who've been laid off as a consequence of the housing crisis. It will strengthen our economy, and it makes us competitive over the long term. We have to find a way, for example, to increase the rail freight in this country. There's no question that the shipping of freight by rail is so much more envir environmentally sound than by highway and, and over bridges, and we have to find a way to do that. We've got to look to the private sector. We've had good experience in our states in partnering with the private sector in many different areas. I think infrastructure, almost more than anything, lends itself to a working partnership with the private sector to come up with some of the solutions we need, whether it be financing or how we build out our infrastructure. What does your industry need from Congress um, going forward in order to meet expanding needs for, for rail? What we'd like Congress to do, I think, is maybe two or three quick points. One is to recognize that the movement of freight is an important part of what keeps this economy going and keeps the, this country competitive in world markets. Two, within that overall context of freight movement, the advantages of moving freight by rail. We heard already that um, about the state of Virginia, both the state of Virginia and the state of Florida have made impressive um, advances in investments in rail, and including investments in freight rail. Uh, Kevin talked about their corridor approach and their investments in the Heartland Corridor. Really, 
um, a very advanced move for a state. And when we're working on our National Gateway Project that I'll talk to you about later, some of the states, Maryland, for example, really struggles with figuring out where do I find money, where's my source of revenue within the state. Uh, and with the dedicated fund, Virginia has really solved much of that problem. Um, I'm going to talk to you about our Central Florida Rail Partnership, and you've heard a lot about this during this conference. Um, I will give you a little bit of the CSX perspective. Some of our ability to do this work uh, is a little bit of luck, the fact that we have two main lines that run down the state of Florida. I talked to you earlier about the our southeast, what we call our southeast expressway, which goes from Chicago into Florida. When you get into Florida, we have the line with the arrow, which is our S line, which goes through uh, the more rural part of central Florida, uh, no longer rural, used to be very rural, rural, but changing through Ocala, Lakeland, lots of Polk County. Uh, and then our A line, which has the Orlando commuter, goes right through the center of downtown Orlando. And if you, um, you can ride Amtrak on that line, or if you're on a CSX, if you're on the head end of a CSX freight train, you see that that line goes right in the middle of the skyscrapers of downtown Orlando. So it is a very, is line that's very well suited to um, public transportation, not in, in many cases as well suited to freight transportation because of the congestion in that area and the huge number of grade crossings that we have. Uh, we and the state of Florida have been talking for, I'm going to say, four years maybe, uh, about this project and thought that there were uh, opportunities for mutual gains. We could sell the Orlando line, sell our A line, part of our A line to the state of Florida, keeping our local freight on that line, shifting our um, longer distance freight, our through freight to the S line. And we would also, we would lose access to our Taft Yard in Orlando, which really doesn't, it's right downtown, doesn't have room for expansion, and build an integrated logistics center at that star there in a town called Winter Haven. We were, for those who are in uh, states, and, and I know this is a southeast group, when I talk to folks in the northeast, they can't imagine what we were able to put together. In Winter Haven, we bought... 300 acres from the city of Winter Haven, which was a sludge field. Um, we have an option for an additional 900 acres that surround that, right on our main line with good highway access, so really a very unique and um, we think ideal area for an integrated logistics center. The, um, when we went to the state, we said, our assessment of the value of this corridor, this uh, Orlando corridor, is $500 million. And we could have potentially sold that corridor to the state for $500 million. They wanted to really tie, to get more out of this project than just the corridor. And so we put together what is somewhat a complicated structure where not they buy the corridor for $150 million, but they also um, put in investments on the, where the arrow is, on the S line of $198 million and build overpasses uh, across in many of these areas. So you get benefits for freight, you get benefits for uh, vehicular traffic that are now at grade crossings, which will have overpasses. And so for 
there's a $491 million project. Now, those overpasses wound up costing more than the original estimate, so that raises the price to about $600 million for the state. $432 million of that either go to CSX to purchase the line or to reimburse us for the capacity. But that's how that project works. We think it has extraordinary economic and environmental benefits, and it allows the state, they will have to build second track, they will have to build stations, but it allows them to use much of the existing corridor through downtown Orlando and avoids putting in a new freight corridor where it doesn't exist today. So we think it's, although it's an expensive project, this project will cost over a billion dollars. It is something that is probably much cheaper than any alternative. One thing you heard in the clips is people talking about the economic stimulus value of investment in railroads and in other infrastructure. And this project would invest, would have both the state, the federal government, and CSX spending over a billion dollars in central Florida in the next 18 months, or in an 18-month period once we get started. I'm going to switch gears a little bit and talk about our National Gateway, a project very similar to the Heartland Corridor that NS has that connects the Hampton Roads, the Port of Hampton Roads with the Midwest. This map shows the CSX territory that is already, in yellow you see areas that are already cleared for double-stack trains. A double-stack train has one intermodal container put on top of the other. The red part is the project area for the National Gateway. With the National Gateway, we will create an efficient intermodal network. It will connect the ports of Wilmington, North Carolina, Hampton Roads, Virginia, and Baltimore, Maryland, up our I-95 corridor through Washington, D.C., and then Midwest on our old B&O corridor. There are a number of terminals. The key terminal investment in this project is the star here, the Northwest Ohio Transfer Yard, which will act much like a hub and spoke on an airline. So if you fly to, lucky enough to fly to Orlando, you usually get a direct flight. For me, I fly in and out of Jacksonville and rarely get a direct flight, so often use an Atlanta or Charlotte. This will be like our Atlanta, where smaller ports that don't have the density to create a train, let's say for Columbus or for Cincinnati, can bring cars to the Northwest Ohio Transfer Yard and then build a train with cars, say, from Boston or from New York. The one area on this map, you see the one red spot that is not yet double stack cleared is the Howard Street Tunnel because the investment in Howard Street really is too big to be justified by the benefits that we get. Most of our traffic does not want to move all the way north-south on that I-95 corridor. So we are working with the Port of Baltimore to move their freight south of Howard Street, and then we'd have a double stack route from the Port of Baltimore. This project, we are looking for a partnership in this project based on public benefits. We had Cambridge Systematics. I know Cambridge Systematics is represented in the room. They have carved out a niche in this business of looking at public benefits of rail projects. We estimate $3.2 billion in public benefits through reductions in highway maintenance, improved safety, and taking trucks 
and, and we said taking trucks off the highway, really what we're doing is that we are taking a long haul freight move and minimizing the amount of time that that's on truck. So there's a truck move at the beginning and a truck move at the end, and we are making that rail move as long as possible. Right now, a lot of freight will come in through the Port of LA Long Beach, go on rail, BNSF or UP through the Chicago area, and then get off in Chicago and come on highway to the East Coast doesn't make sense as far as we're concerned. So projects like ours, like the um, National Gateway, like the Heartland Corridor, make that rail move as long as possible and they don't get off, the, the containers don't get off the rail until they get very close to the final destination. Uh, this promotes economic development not only at the ports but, but with all the terminals that we're building, places like Ohio and Pennsylvania that really need economic development now are looking to this as a, a good alternative. This shows public benefits, and it's tricky. This is a six-state project. Benefits and costs don't necessarily equate, and, and we could have put this together differently. Our proposal says we'd like you to share in the costs that are spent within your state. Virginia, you could see, because the Port of Virginia is so successful, has much higher benefits than some of the other states, and yet had um, far lower costs because they didn't have the obstructions, their bridges, many of their bridges were already clear or their tunnels were clear. And so we have asked Virginia to partner with us in the Virginia Avenue Tunnel, which is the biggest single part of this project. Virginia Avenue Tunnel is within uh, Washington, D.C., so they don't have the funding of a state DOT to support that. Uh, this is one of the ads that we've used, a print ad that shows, uh, tries to demonstrate the um, fuel efficiency of our service, and it's a gas gauge, and I don't know if you can see that, but it's Baltimore to Cleveland on a single gallon of fuel. Overall cost for the project, $724 million over the uh, period from today to um, 2015. We have started much of the, many of the terminal investments already. We've already opened, actually, a terminal in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. We've already upgraded our terminal in Charlotte. We will have terminals in Pittsburgh, South Columbus, Northwest Ohio, and a new Baltimore terminal. The funding is split 50-50 CSX, so we are paying for half the total cost of this project. We hope to then get $181 million through reauthorization and $181 million from our state partners. I have another clip that I'll talk to you about our, some of the I lost my clips. I might have X'd out of it. This will show um, the governor of Ohio, Governor Strickland, at our announcement in Ohio for the National Gateway, as well as a TV editorial to show you how people are starting to look at these investments. We want to create for Ohio, utilizing our rail system, our highways, our ports, and our airports, uh, a system that will make it increasingly likely that industry will want to locate here and that businesses will benefit 
from having such a, an incredible infrastructure. And, of course, CSX is going to be a vital part of that. And now, a WTOL 11 editorial. The first step toward a new economic future for Northwest Ohio has been taken in North Baltimore. CSX, the freight railroad giant, has bought property and will break ground soon on the construction of a huge new train terminal. In about 16 months, the new tracks, the overpasses, the crossing improvements, and the terminal will be completed. After that, the warehouses and assembly plants should follow. This means jobs. It means commerce. It jumpstarts the process of developing Northwest Ohio into an international freight distribution hub. We can do this. We have planes, trains, highways, and ships. The land for the warehousing and buildings is affordable, and the labor is skilled. Now, thanks to CSX and a lot of other people, the tracks to a brighter future are being laid. CSX has put up $80 million to make this happen. They had other options, yet they chose Northwest Ohio. I think this is real. No more talk. Let's get this freight train, plane, truck, or ship moving. Sorry about, I, am, I don't know if I can click through these. I have a um, picture of our website, nationalgateway.org, where you can learn more about our National Gateway project. This is not, you can get to that also from the CSX website. We have a link. And here this shows our website. We have areas for every state, and we have areas for people to sign up to support the project. We have gotten significant support. UPS has signed up as a sponsor. Pacer, one of our larger intermodal uh, customers, has signed up as a sponsor. So we are gaining support for the project, and we think that this is a long-range um, advocacy effort on our part and uh, on the part of the state, six-state coalition to get that money for freight transportation. Uh, in conclusion, America needs a strong transportation system to prosper. We think freight transportation, freight rail can be part of the solution. Uh, we have the today's realities in terms of high cost of gas, congestion, high cost of um, investments in highways and railroads, but we think that these rail investments make smart public policy. And I ask all of you to help join us, and I, I know the people in this room are rail advocates, but to join in the national discourse about investments in railroads, both for passengers and for freight. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Lisa. Excellent presentation. Uh, I don't want to take up much time because uh, I don't want to eat into the, uh, uh, the time uh, remaining for the uh, for the next speakers, but uh, do want to uh, uh, say how much Florida DOT uh, you know, supports the uh, Central Florida Commuter Rail project, and we do think that was a uh, uh, was a good way to approach it, ensuring that the funds are going to be invested in the state of Florida, that we're going to expand freight rail capacity, that we're going to address uh, 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 congestion on the highway system through grade separation. 
uh, you know, when you look at the environmental, be environmental benefits, the uh, fuel benefits, the congestion mitigation, and we did an independent uh, third-party party assessment, including all costs, and took the most conservative approach possible, and we came up with a $2.80 return on every dollar invested in developing the project, and that includes the commuter rail development itself, not just the CSX portion. Uh, you know, so we're, we're we're excited about that, and uh, and look forward to uh, continuing to work with our, our our local partners in the Orlando area and implementing uh, commuter rail. Uh, our next speaker is uh, Tim Murphy. Uh, Tim is uh, uh, with uh, Jacksport. Uh, he's a senior engineer. Uh, responsible for engineering and construction, in construction, in construction, 